Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hey, guess what? We're going to try something new again. I know. We're always doing that, aren't we? Hey, if you're not changing, you're not growing. Got to change. Change is part of our condition. And that's uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today. Our human condition. Uh, our brains. They're wacky. But just wanted to announce a couple of little changes. I mean, yeah, I'm still going to be taking a few Mondays off to try to catch up on some of my vacation. But we've decided to try something new. We've got... Our Saturday show that airs in Seattle on KOMO Radio Live on Saturday afternoons. We got that. We turn it into a podcast on either Monday and Tuesday, or if I take a day off, Tuesday and Wednesday. Then Tom does a short topic podcast. And then I do this longer form daily podcast where I take a bunch of your questions. Well, here's what we've decided to do. Tom is going to do two short topic podcasts, and we're going to turn those into Talking Real Money weekends. So we're going to have new podcasts or try to, it's not 100% of the time, we're going to try and have new podcasts every Saturday and Sunday too, along with podcasts every day. So you're going to get inundated with stuff. So there'll always be something there for you. Plus, if you miss a you know if you miss a few days, you can go catch up. Uh, Tom's are very short; they're four to six minutes. Mine are, of course, far more long-winded. But that's the new thing we're going to do today. Though we have lots and lots of questions. We have questions sent in every possible way. We have a bunch of you who called 855-935-TALK and left a message. We have a few of you who went to TalkingRealMoney.com, clicked on the contact form, and recorded your questions. And uh, several who typed them up at that same spot, TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. So we're going to get to those in a minute. But first, what I wanted to talk about today is a topic that we touch on regularly. And that's us. That's the problem with our wiring. We are wired emotionally, which leads us to do some dumb things. I'll give you an example. We tend to confuse anecdotes with reality. Anecdotes, just because something worked for someone somewhere sometime doesn't mean there's any basis in reality for that occurring regularly. Just, we had a note from a guy, we're going to talk about it later, who slammed us for not being bigger fans of individual stocks. Folks, there will always be anecdotal reports of people being incredibly successful with stocks. And let me tell you, when millions and millions of people are buying individual stocks, there will be several who will consistently do well, if only for dumb luck. Don't confuse luck with skill. 
we tend to think that we're talented when the more likely explanation is we were just lucky. I mean, anecdotally, for many years, Bernie Madoff's system was incredibly successful, returning 18% annual returns. It wasn't until it stopped working that we found out it was a lie. That's the problem. You're going to find out that many of these great ideas that sound wonderful anecdotally don't hold up in reality. We tend to believe what we believe as opposed to the evidence. <laughs> Folks, we, 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 we don't just see this in money. It's going on all around us. Think about it. We want to believe what we want to believe as opposed to science. You know what I'm referring to. You want to believe what you want to believe because you believe it. So if you believe it, it must be right, even if it's wrong. Our brains play with us. You want what you want as opposed to what you can have. That's left over from when we're little kids. I want it. You can't have it. But I want it. You're being mean because you won't give it to me. You can't have it. It's not good for you. I'll give you an example. This is the biggest example of them all. What do you want your investments to do? Your first desire, that greed-driven desire. You want your investments to not just make money. You want them to make the most money. You want them to make lots of money. You want as much as you can get. Whereas you probably should accept what you can get. Realistically, within the confines of reasonable risk. But you see, our desires say, I want to make lots of money. I hear this all the time from people on fixed incomes. I deserve a high income, but I don't want any risk. You don't deserve anything. There's no such thing as high incomes without risk. You forget when you were getting high income, inflation was higher. You can't make a lot of money and take no risk. You can make a lot of money if you're willing to accept the reality of losing a lot. Otherwise, if you don't want to take much risk, you have to accept small returns. And then finally, we have our overpowering ego. Again, that's thinking we know more than we know and allowing that to make our decisions, to drive our decision-making process. When, in fact, if we were truly smart, we would realize that we make as many bad decisions as we make good ones when left to our own emotional devices. And we would try to find a way to instill discipline into the process, which is why we tell you to do the things we tell you to do. Buy the global market. You can't consistently do much better than that and accept the risk of it and build a portfolio based on your risk tolerance, your risk profile, actually more than anything. So keep those emotions in check. It's really hard to do. 
it may be the hardest thing any of us do any time. I mean, in any part of our lives. Call me, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Leave your question like this. Hi, Tom and Don. Uh, this is Ricky Rosella. I'm calling in from New Jersey. I love the show. Uh, I am a doctor, and I've been screwed by Northwestern Mutual. I feel like I'm in an AA meeting or something. Uh, but luckily got in uh, financial education through the White Coat Investor. He's similar to you guys. Mm-hmm. Loves to educate docs who also have been screwed, mostly by Northwestern Mutual. Um, just briefly, uh, that screwing include a high school buddy of mine um, selling me multiple Northwestern Mutual products, including uh, non-true uh, own occupation disability insurance, whole life insurance paid to 65, uh, $1 million worth of policy, um, a variable annuity, which was within an IRA. I know you guys love mm-hmm. that one. Uh, also, I took out whole life insurance for my wife as well. Again, a paid to $65 million policy. Uh, whole life insurance on my kids, uh, two of them. Uh, 529, that was an advisor-led plan, uh, Virginia 529 advisor-led, and also uh, there was term life insurance as well, that was term to 80, that was convertible to whole life. Uh, Luckily, I was able to get out of this uh, through my education Uh, from the White Coat Investor, I was led to Palmarian, which led me to you guys. Uh, just a question regarding my journey here. Um, is Northwestern Mutual the really most aggressive company that screws doctors? Because among us doctors, it seems that Northwestern Mutual seems to really do very well in just fleecing us. Um, so Jim Dolly, the white coat investor, would sold a whole life insurance policy from Northwestern Mutual. Another one in the uh, physician blogging uh, and uh, podcast space, the physician philosopher, also screwed by Northwestern Mutual. What is it with these guys? Have you found that they are the ones that really target doctors the best? Um, And is there any means of protecting uh, doctors other than education? I also filed a complaint to my New Jersey Insurance Commission. Um, They just basically said that, you know, I was just stupid and there was no repercussions to Northwestern Mutual. So that's my first question. Okay. Tell you what, I'm going to stop you right there at that first question so that we can devote time to the second question. Uh, <laughs> this is a great call so far. Uh, Northwest Northwestern, do they target doctors? I got to tell you, the industry targets doctors, particularly the high-commissioned parts of the industry, because of a couple of things. And, and no offense to doctors who are lovely people, incredibly intelligent, hardworking. For the most part, there are always exceptions. But, you know, doctors are great. But doctors make good money eventually after they pay off their student loans. And the industry knows that. And they also know that you devoted so much of your time to learning your profession that you probably didn't devote a lot of time to learning about investing, as most Americans don't. So I don't know if Northwestern targets doctors, but I do know that the industry does. 
And by the way, isn't it is always, it is always a friend or an acquaintance or, you know, that guy at church or the guy in the Rotary Club. It always is that gal. It really is. Um, I don't think Northwestern Mutual is any different. I think education is the answer. I really do. I think education is the only answer. Because there's nothing else that can be done unless the regulatory climate changes. And there's no way that's going to change. Because bear in mind, the insurance industry is one of the biggest lobbies in America. You don't, probably don't even know this, but the uh, the the index life, the fixed index life products, those the SEC was going to regulate those as securities, which would re- would have required a lot more disclosure and a lot more information. And the insurance industry spent millions, tens of millions of dollars lobbying to keep those under the purview of the insurance commissioners, who you discovered are generally kind of worthless. There may be a few activist insurance regulators out there, but for the most part, insurance regulators are, one, either retired members of the insurance business, or two, people who want to go from being an insurance commission member to a well-paid executive for a large insurance company where the money's huge. The commissions are ridiculous in the insurance business. They're ridiculous. And your friend, they are all brought in and they have to they have to eat what they kill. They're, they're, they, they don't get handed a bunch of leads. They've got to go out and find a friend to take down to buy their new car. So you can't file a complaint. It is caveat emptor. You did the right thing eventually. The best thing you can do from here is in your role as a mentor to future physicians do what Jim Dolly does and others beat them up on getting educated. There is life insurance is only something you need to protect somebody in case you die. Kids don't need it. Whole life is a terrible, terrible investment. Variables do not belong in IRAs. They barely belong anywhere. So you did the right thing, you changed your tune, you moved on in a new direction. I understand you being angry, but they're no the thing is is they're not doing anything illegal. They're not even well, I think it's unethical, but you do. But they don't. They think what they're doing is putting food on the table for their families. I think they could find a better way to do it. That's the problem. But that's not just the insurance industry. That's the problem with the majority of the financial advisory industry, the majority of it. I am fine with people making money. Just be honest about it. I mean, Tom and I have an advisory firm, but if you ask us about it, what are we going to tell you? Here's what we charge. Here's what we'll do for you. Do you need us? Yeah, sometimes. Other times, no. But we're going to tell you the truth. We're not going to lie to you. That's all we ask. Don't lie. If you're a fiduciary, be a fiduciary all the time. And by the way, most insurance agents aren't even a fiduciary part of the time. So did the right thing. Let's get to the second part of your question. Second question is uh, actually a retirement drawdown strategy. I have been now, through my education, maxing out my 401k at work. 
Um, I am also doing the backdoor Roth. Um, I am also investing in a taxable account. I'm trying to save 20% of my income now for retirement. I am planning on retiring at 65 and then taking a, a Social Security, the maximum, so I'm going to actually do that at 70. Wondering if I'm going to have actually an RMD problem for my 401k as I keep maxing out all these years. I'm right now 39. Uh, also, uh, I plan on having a high amount of money there because my risk tolerance is very high. I took your risk quiz and it was 87. Um, is it something where at 65, I'm also going to have a huge taxable account? Should I actually start with a taxable account uh, with the uh, drawing down at 65? Or because I might have an RMD problem, actually taking out from my 401k and not waiting to the age of 72 and a half to, to, to start drawing down. Also, my asset allocation, I plan to be 60-40 uh, as I approach retirement. Right now, I'm 100% equities. Um, but should those and bonds be the same across all accounts? It's usually traditional. Your asset location should be bonds in tax advantage accounts, right, and the stocks in, in taxable. However, if I wanted to set my own tax rate in retirement, I don't want to just, oh, I want to draw from my Roth, and oh, my God, my Roth has all stocks, and what if the market is tanking at that time? I've now screwed myself into to set my own tax rate selling off stocks. So what is your thoughts about that? Also, uh, do you believe in, like, Michael Kitz's and um, Wade Faust's bond tent, drawing down your bonds in early retirement only in order to avoid sequence of return risk? Um, so uh, that's my uh, other question there. So, guys, uh, again, I love the, the podcast. You guys are awesome. And uh, I wish I had learned about you guys earlier uh, before I got in with uh, Northwestern Mutual. You. <laughs> well, you know, you live, you learn. Tell everybody you know about us, because that's the only way anybody finds us, particularly outside of Seattle where we're on the radio. Whew. All right, Ricky, here's the deal. You're a planner, dude. You are a planner. That is a good thing within reason. You're overthinking the future right now. There's this big problem with the future. You can't know what you should be doing about it today. You're doing the right thing for today. You're investing like there's no tomorrow. You're investing or like there is a tomorrow, like there's a great big wonderful tomorrow. You're investing like crazy. And that is so good. And because you understand your risk tolerance, 87 on the risk quiz, that is, uh, that's pretty high. You're, you're definitely a hundred percent equity guy right now. So why right now think about all of those other things? Because let me tell you one thing I'm really confident of. It's all going to change by the time you get to 70 or 65. It's all going to change. We don't know how capital gains will be taxed then. We don't know what will be tax-free or tax-deferred or, or what. I, I mean, at some point, you're going to want to start thinking. As a matter of fact, that point is probably now. You're going to want to start thinking more about Roth. And our belief is that, again, today, 
The Roth is the last thing you tap. Yeah, I would go for the taxable stuff first, immediately. I'd be all over the taxable stuff immediately and let the deferral go as long as you can because that deferral adds to your potential compounding and let the tax-free go out forever because of two things. One, tax-free is tax-free. It adds to your compounding. And two, there are its there are estate current estate advantages to passing along Roths. However, we don't know what the future is going to bring. So I don't, I would not, you've got a great job. You're doing all the right things now in terms of investing. I would continue to invest 100% in massively diversified equities. You're to the point in your life where you really should, as we suggest and Paul suggests, overweight small and value. Make sure you're, fit, you're, you're split pretty close to 50-50 U.S. and international. Uh, don't worry about bonds just yet. You don't need income. You don't need the stability of them. And do what you do because you're dollar cost averaging, which is great. When the market goes down, you should be cheering. If you have extra money, throw it in and rebalance. That's what you should be doing now, doing your job, enjoying your family. Don't think so far out just yet. Now, you do want to start thinking far out in terms of an estate plan, but that's too, that too is going to change over the years. I'm sure you've already thought of that, though. You're a thinker. Thanks for the great call. I really appreciate it. 855-935-TALK is the place to go if you want to call us. And that took a lot longer than I thought it would. So let me let me sneak in another. Yeah, I need to get another call because they're the they're the oldest. So I'm gonna go to I think this one. My question has to do with the emergency fund that we have. I currently have six months of our living expenses in a money market account at Vanguard. I was debating on just keeping three months of our expenses in the money market account and then putting the uh, last three months in perhaps the total bond market fund uh, just to get a little bit better return. It's not money that we anticipate needing to use, at least not right now, but um, I wasn't sure what the best course of action might be to uh, just to maximize the return on that money. I know it's supposed to be for safekeeping, but your opinion was on that and uh, whatever advice you can give. Uh, much appreciated. Love the show. Uh, thank you, guys. Well, if this was Tom answering the question, he would absolutely tell you to go put it all in the Vanguard short-term investment grade bond fund. <laughs> because, and he'd probably not be too far off. I think the Vanguard short-term investment grade bond fund would be perfect for three months worth. Because his argument is, and it's a good one, short-term bonds don't fluctuate very much. They really don't. And this is investment grade, so it's all high-quality corporates. There is risk. There's a, there's a couple of types of risk. One is interest rate risk. If interest, rate, if interest rates start to rise, the value of the fund will go down initially. It will. But as you said, this is not money you anticipate needing right now. You got three months absolutely positively safe, so you can probably survive a little bit of a loss there. The other risk is corporations can fail. These are corporations that are unlikely to fail, very unlikely to fail, but they could. So um, would I, I, I mean, I wouldn't even have a problem with the total bond market, but the short-term investment grade is going to be less volatile. And because it's corporate, its yield is a little bit higher. Last I looked, it was just under two and a half percent, which in this day and age, that's impressive. 
Let's grab one more quick question that came in via the voice recorder at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact page. And Hi, Don and Tom. This is Jeff. I have a question. I recently changed jobs, and I have RSUs from my old job, and I would like to know how I should approach selling those RSUs and taking that money and investing it into my retirement savings. Thank you. So I'm going to assume that your RSUs are are now unrestricted, um, I, I, I would assume. RSU is a restricted stock unit. It's a, it's a way an employer gives you stock in the company, but there's restrictions. I would assume now that you've gone, there are no restrictions. We are not big fans of owning individual stocks. If you actually have the stocks, then you just open a discount brokerage account with Schwab or someone, or if you're wherever you are, they probably have a brokerage operation and you just sell them with one qualifier. And that qualifier is do a little tax planning, make sure that you don't sell so many shares that you kick yourself into a substantially higher tax bracket. So do some calculations on that or get with your accountant and figure it out, find the best way to sell them from a tax standpoint uh, because you're going to have a huge gain, huge gain, big, big, huge gain. Um, but it's just a matter of selling them, just getting diversified and getting that money in your retirement plan in a globally diversified portfolio. Thanks for your question. And again, there are multiple ways to leave questions for us here on the podcast. You can go to talkingrealmoney.com, click the contact form and type one up. We've got a bunch of those. We'll do some of those over the weekend too. We're starting to do those on Saturdays during the Saturday show, which airs as a podcast on Monday or Tuesday. Um, you can uh, record your question there at talkingrealmoney.com. And you can also call 24-7 and leave your question at 855-935-TALK. And as we always say here at the end of the podcasts, if you need help that is more involved than what we can do in this limited venue, you need a give and take, it's a little more complicated, we guarantee that we will try to help everyone who asks for our help. And we will do a little bit of help not a lifelong management because we need money for that. But we will try and help you. Our advisors will try and help you for free with no obligation, truly, and no big, annoying sales pitch. You're not going to get sold stuff. We just want to help. We want to make sure everybody gets off on the right track, which is why we do the podcast, which is why we do the show, which is why we manage money and why we manage money at a fraction of what most of these people manage it and we don't sell commission stuff ever. So if you want to set up an appointment with one of our advisors, it's way easy. You can go to talkingrealmoney.com and uh, click on the guy with the help sign, or you can go to vestory.com, which is our firm. If you want to check us out, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, scroll down to the bottom of the front page and there's a calendar there. Well, there are three choices. You can set up an appointment and then you go to the calendar, pick a date, pick a time. We'll make sure one of our fiduciary advisors gets together with you and helps you as much as we can within a reasonable amount of time. Okay.
That offer stands for everybody in the U.S. Now, we can't help people outside of the U.S. I mean, we try, but our expertise, the securities and invest, laws and investments are different around the world. So we have to be careful. Uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening. Uh, uh, tell a friend or two or a lot. Um, keep listening. Check out the new weekend podcast coming this weekend, which uh, this weekend actually means the 19th and 20th of September. And uh, listen again tomorrow, too. I'll be here. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?